Welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, the podcast that brings you through the entire Bible in 260 days. Have you ever wanted to read the whole Bible but struggled to do so? This podcast is meant to help you do it. With five 15 to 20 minute episodes per week, you will hear the entire Bible read to you. There will also be occasional brief notes to help explain context, as well as a concluding question or thought to consider. So welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, your journey through the Bible in 260 days. Welcome to episode 75. Today we'll be finishing off the book of Judges, and it's one of the darkest stories in the Bible that we'll be reading. And it ends with a verse that says, again, that there was no king in Israel and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And as we think about those words and we think about that reality, it just shows the darkness of humanity and the desperate need we have for a true king to come who will save people from their sin. And that's what we celebrate when we read from Acts 2. But we begin, in one sense, first with the bad news, with the dark and difficult story that we read here in Judges 19, 20, and 21. Judges 19. In those days, Israel had no king. There was a Levite living temporarily in the remote region of the Ephraimite hill country. He acquired a concubine from Bethlehem in Judah. However, she got angry at him and went home to her father's house in Bethlehem in Judah. When she had been there four months, her husband came after her, hoping he could convince her to return. He brought with him his servant and a pair of donkeys. When she brought him into her father's house and the girl's father saw him, he greeted him warmly. His father-in-law, the girl's father, persuaded him to stay with them for three days, and they ate and drank together and spent the night there. On the fourth day, they woke up early and the Levite got ready to leave, but the girl's father and said to his son-in-law, have a bite to eat for some energy, then you can go. So the two of them sat down and had a meal together. Then the girl's father said to the man, why not stay another night and have a good time? When the man got ready to leave, his father-in-law convinced him to stay another night. He woke up early in the morning and on the fifth day of the fifth day and so he could leave, but the girl's father said, Get some energy, wait until later in the day to leave. So they ate a meal together. When the man got ready to leave with his concubine and his servant, his father in law the girl's father said to him, Look, the day is almost over, stay another night. Since the day is over, stay another night here and have a good time. You can get up early tomorrow and start your trip home. But the man did not want to stay another night. He left and traveled as far as Jabus, that is Jerusalem. He had with him a pair of saddled donkeys and his concubine. When they had gotten near Jabus, it was, quite, it was getting quite late, and the servant said to his master, Come on, let's stop at the Jebusite city and spend the night in it. But his master said to him, We should not stop at a foreign city where no Israelites live. We will travel on to Gibeah. He said to his servant, Come on, we will go into one of the outer towns and spend the night in Gibeah or Ramah. So they traveled on, and the sun went down when they were near Gibeah in the territory of Benjamin. They stopped there and decided to spend the night in Gibeah. They came into the city and sat down in the town square, but no one invited them to spend the night. But then an old man passed by, returning at the end of the day from his work in the field. The man was from the Ephraimite hill country. He was living temporarily in Gibeah. The residents of the town were Benjaminites. When he looked up and saw the traveler in the town square, the old man said to him, where are you heading? Where did you come from? The Levite said to him, We are traveling from Bethlehem in Judah to the remote region of the Ephraimite hill country. That's where I'm from. I had business in Bethlehem in Judah, but now I'm heading home. But no one has invited me into their home. We have enough straw and grain for our donkeys, and there is enough food and wine for me, my, your female servant, and the young man who is with your servants. We lack nothing. 
The old man said, everything is just fine. I will take care of all your needs, but don't spend the night in the town square. So he brought the man to his house and fed the donkeys. They washed their feet and had a meal. They were having a good time when suddenly some of the men of the city, some good-for-nothings, surrounded the house and kept beating at the door. They said to the old man who owned the house, Send out the man who came to visit you so we can take carnal knowledge of him. The man who owned the house went outside and said to them, No, my brothers, don't do this wicked thing. After all, this man is a guest in my house. Don't do such a disgraceful thing. Here are my virgin daughter and my guest's concubine. I will send them out and you can abuse them and do to them whatever you like, but don't do such a disgraceful thing to this man. The men refused to listen to him, so the Levite grabbed his concubine and made her go outside. They raped her and abused her all night long until morning. They let her go at dawn. The woman arrived back at daybreak and was sprawled out on the doorstep of the house where her master was staying until it became light. When her master got up in the morning, opened the doors of the house, and went outside to start on his journey, there was the woman, his concubine, sprawled out on the doorstep of the house with her hands on the threshold. He said to her, Get up, let's leave. But there was no response. He put her on the donkey and went home. When he got home, he took a knife, grasped his concubine, and carved her up into twelve pieces. Then he sent the pieces throughout Israel. Everyone who saw the sight said, Nothing like this has happened or been witnessed during the entire time since the Israelites left the land of Egypt. Take careful note of it, discuss it, and speak. All the Israelites from Dan to Beersheba and from the land of Gilead left their homes and assembled together before the Lord at Mizpah. The leaders of all the people from all the tribes of Israel took their place in the assembly of God's people, which numbered 400,000 sword-wielding foot soldiers. The Benjaminites heard that the Israelites had gone up to Mizpah, and then the Israelites said, Explain how this wicked thing happened. The Levite, the husband of the murdered woman, spoke up. I and my concubine stopped at Gibeah in the territory of Benjamin to spend the night. The leaders of Gibeah attacked me and at night surrounded the house where I was staying. They wanted to kill me. Instead, they abused my concubine so badly that she died. I took hold of my concubine and carved her up and sent the pieces throughout the territory occupied by Israel because they committed such an unthinkable atrocity in Israel. All you Israelites, make a decision here. All Israel rose up in unison and said, Not one of us will go home. Not one of us will return to his house. Now this is what we will do to Gibeah. We will attack the city as Lot dictates. We will take ten of every group of a hundred men from all the tribes of Israel, and a hundred of every group of a thousand, and a thousand of every group of ten thousand, to get supplies for the army. When they arrive in Gibeah of Benjamin, they will punish them for the atrocity that they committed in Israel. So all the men of Israel gathered together at the city as allies. The tribes of Israel sent men throughout the tribe of Benjamin, saying, How could such a wicked thing take place? Now hand over the good-for-nothings in Gibeah, so we can execute them and purge Israel of wickedness. But the Benjaminites refused to listen to their Israelite brothers. The Benjaminites came from their cities and assembled at Gibeah to make war against the Israelites. That day the Benjaminites mustered from their cities 26,000 sword-wielding soldiers besides 700 well-trained soldiers from Gibeah. Among this army were 700 specially trained left-handed soldiers. Each one could sling a stone and hit even the smallest target. The men of Israel, not counting Benjamin, had mustered 400,000 sword-wielding soldiers, every one an experienced warrior. The Israelites went up to Bethel and asked God, Who should lead the charge against the Benjaminites? The Lord said, Judah should lead. 
The Israelites got up the next morning and moved against Gibeah. The men of Israel marched out to fight Benjamin. They arranged their battle lines against Gibeah. The Benjaminites attacked from Gibeah and struck down 22,000 Israelites that day. The Israelite army took heart and once more arranged their battle lines in the same place where they had taken their positions the day before. The Israelites went up and wept before the Lord until evening. They asked the Lord, Should we march out again to fight the Benjaminites, our brothers? The Lord said, Attack them. So the Israelites marched towards the Benjaminites the next day. The Benjaminites again attacked them from Gibeah and struck down 18,000 sword-wielding Israelite soldiers. So all the Israelites, the whole army, went up to Bethel. They wept and sat before the Lord. They did not eat anything that day until evening. They offered up burnt sacrifices and tokens of peace to the Lord. The Israelites asked the Lord, for the Ark of the God's Covenant was there in those days, Phinehas, son of Eliezer, son of Aaron, who was serving the Lord in those days, and said, Should we once more march out to fight the Benjaminites, our brothers, or should we quit? The Lord said, Attack, for tomorrow I will hand them over to you. So Israel hid men in ambush against Gibeah. The Israelites attacked the Benjaminites the next day. They took their positions against Gibeah, just as they had done before. The Benjaminites attacked the army, leaving the city unguarded. They began to strike down their enemy just as they had done before. On the main roads, one leads to Bethel, the other to Gibeah, and in the field, they struck down about 30 Israelites. Then the Benjaminites said, They are defeated just as before. But the Israelites said, Let's retreat and lure them away from the city into the main roads. All the men of Israel got up from their places and took their positions at Baal Tamar, while the Israelites, hiding in ambush, jumped out of their places west of Gibeah. Then 10,000 men, well-trained soldiers from all Israel, made a frontal assault against Gibeah. The battle was fierce, but the Benjaminites did not realize that disaster was at their doorstep. The Lord annihilated Benjamin before Israel. The Israelites struck down that day 25,100 sword-wielding Benjaminites. The Benjaminites then saw that they were defeated. The Israelites retreated before Benjamin because they had confidence in the men they had hidden in ambush outside Gibeah. The men hiding in ambush made a da- mad dash to Gibeah. They attacked and put the sword, put to the sword the whole city. The Israelites and the men hiding in ambush had arranged a signal. When the men hiding in ambush sent up a smoke signal from the city, the Israelites counterattacked. Benjamin had begun to strike down the Israelites. They struck down about 30 men. They said, there's no doubt about it. They are totally defeated as in the earlier battle. But when the signal, a pillar of smoke, began to rise up from the city, the Benjaminites turned around and saw the whole city going up in a cloud of smoke that rose into the sky. When the Israelites turned around, the Benjaminites panicked because they could not they could see that disaster was at their doorstep. They retreated before the Israelites, taking the road to the wilderness, but the battle overtook them as men from the surrounding cities struck them down. They surrounded the Benjaminites, chased them from Nohah, and annihilated them all on the way to the spot east of Geba. So 18,000 Benjaminites, all of them capable warriors, fell dead. The rest turned and ran toward the wilderness, heading toward the cliff of Rimon. But the Israelites caught 5,000 of them on the main roads. They stayed right on their heels all the way to Gidim and struck down 2,000 more. That day, 25,000 sword-wielding Benjaminites fell in battle, all of them capable warriors. But 600 survivors turned away and ran to the wilderness, to the cliff of Rimon. They stayed there four months. The Israelites returned to the the Benjaminite towns and put the sword to them. They wiped out the cities, the animals, and everything they could find. They set fire to every city in their path. The Israelites had taken an oath in Mizpah, saying, Not one of us will allow his daughter to marry a Benjaminite. So the people came to Bethel and sat there before God until evening, weeping loudly and uncontrollably. They said, 
Why, O Lord God of Israel, has this happened in Israel? An entire tribe has disappeared from Israel today. The next morning, the people got up early and built an altar there. They offered up burnt sacrifices and tokens of peace. The Israelites asked, Who from all the Israelite tribes has not assembled before the Lord? They made a solemn oath that whoever did not assemble before the Lord at Mizpah must certainly be executed. The Israelites regretted what had happened to their brother Benjamin. They said, Today we cut off an entire tribe from Israel. How can we find wives for those who are left? After all, we took an oath in the Lord's name not to give our daughters as wives. So they asked, Who from all the Israelite tribes did not assemble before the Lord at Mizpah? Now it was just so that it happened that no one from Jabesh Gilead had come to the gathering. When they took roll call, they noticed that none of the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead were there. So the assembly sent 12,000 capable warriors against Jabesh Gilead. They commanded them, Go and kill with the sword the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead, including the women and little children. But do this, exterminate every male as well as every woman who has experienced a man's bed, but spare the lives of any virgins. So they did as instructed. They found among the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead 400 young girls who were virgins who had never been intimate with a man in bed. They brought them back to the camp at Shiloh in the land of Canaan. The entire assembly sent messengers to the Benjaminites at the cliff of Rimon and assured them that they would not be harmed. The Benjaminites returned at that time, and the Israelites gave them the women that had come that they had spared from Jabesh Gilead, but there were not enough to go around. The people regretted that what had happened to Benjamin because the Lord had weakened the Israelite tribes. The leaders of the assembly said, How can we find wives for those who are left? After all, the Benjaminite women who have been wiped out have been wiped out. The remnant of Benjamin must be preserved. An entire Israelite tribe should not be wiped out. But we can't allow our daughters to marry them, for the Israelites took an oath saying, Whoever gives a woman to a Benjaminite will be destroyed. However, there is an annual festival to the Lord in Shiloh, which is north of Bethel, east of the main road that goes up from Bethel to Shechem and south to Lebanon. So they commanded the Benjaminites, Go and hide in the vineyards, and keep your eyes open. When you see the daughters of Shiloh coming out to dance in the celebration, jump out from the vineyards. Each of you catch yourself a wife from among the daughters of Shiloh, and then go home to the land of Benjamin. When their fathers or brothers come out and protest to us, we'll say to them, Do us a favor and let them be, for we could not get a wife for each one of them through battle. Don't worry about breaking your oath. You would only be guilty if you had voluntarily given them wives. The Benjaminites did as instructed. They abducted 200 of the dancing girls to be their wives. They went home to their own territory, rebuilt their cities, and settled down. Then the Israelites dispersed from there to their respective tribal and clan territories. Each went from there to his own property. In those days, Israel had no king. Each man did what he considered to be right in his own eyes. As you have heard that story, I imagine you're thinking to yourself like I am, wow, I can't believe that story is even in the Bible. That's the kind of evil, despicable behavior that we see in the world around us. And actually the truth is that is the evil of a human heart on display when it's not checked, when it's not stopped by someone in authority who is moral and right and good. And it's why when we read now from Acts chapter two, we see a whole new way of living being described, a whole new way of living before God and before other people. And that that new way only can happen because people see the wonder of who Jesus is and receive as a gift of his grace, not only forgiveness, not only new life, but new life through the very spirit of God who comes to dwell in them, 
the thing we celebrate in Acts chapter 2, and we call it the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2. Now when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a violent wind blowing from heaven and filled the entire house where they were sitting, and tongues spreading out like a fire appeared to them and came to rest on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven residing in Jerusalem. When this sound occurred, a crowd gathered and was in confusion because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Completely baffled, they said, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that each one of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus, and the province of Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own languages about the great deeds God has done. All were astounded and greatly confused, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others jeered at the speaker, saying, They are drunk on new wine. But Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed them, saying, You men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, know this and listen carefully to what I say. In spite of what you think, these men are not drunk, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. But this is what was spoken about through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it will be, God says, that I will pour out my spirit on all people, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy, and your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. And I will perform wonders in the sky above, and miraculous signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will be, the sun will be changed to darkness, and the moon to blood, before the great and glorious day of the Lord comes. And then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man clearly attested to you by God with powerful deeds, wonders, and miraculous signs that God performed performed among you through him, just as you yourselves know, this man who was handed over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you executed by nailing him to a cross at the hands of the Gentiles. But God raised him up, having released him from the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held in its power. For David says about him, I saw the Lord always in front of me, for he is at my right hand so that I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My body also will live in hope because you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor permit your Holy One to experience decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of joy with your presence. Brothers, I can speak confidently to you about your father, David, that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. So then, because he was a prophet and knew that God had sworn to him an oath to seat one of his descendants on his throne, David, by foreseeing this, spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was neither abandoned to Hades nor did his body experience decay. This Jesus God raised up and we are all witnesses of it. So then, Exalted to the right hand of God and having received the promise of the Holy Spirit from the Father, he has poured out what you both see and hear. For David did not ascend into heaven, but he says himself, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore let all the house of Israel know beyond a doubt that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when the people heard this, 
They were acutely distressed and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, What should we do, brothers? Peter said to them, Repent, and each one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far away, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. With many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Save yourselves from this perverse generation. So those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added. They were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Reverential awe came over everyone, and many wonders and miraculous signs came about by the apostles. All who believed were together and held everything in common, and they began selling their property and possessions and distributing the proceeds to everyone as anyone had need. Every day they continued to gather together by common consent in the temple courts, breaking bread from house to house, sharing their food with glad and humble hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number every day those who were being saved. This is one of the most exciting chapters in the Bible, the Spirit of God coming upon the apostles and then to those who put their faith and trust in Jesus. And this has been happening ever since throughout all of history since, that those who repent and believe, who put their trust in Jesus, are indwelt by the Spirit of God, are given new life, and given new power to live that new life, serving and loving King Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Bible in 260 podcast. May what you have heard speak to your heart and mind today. The scriptures quoted are from the Net Bible, HTTP, netbible.com, copyright 1996, 2019, used with permission from Biblical Studies Press, LLC, all rights reserved. Our theme song for the podcast is The Call by Emily Ruth. You can find The Call and other music by Emily Ruth on Apple Music or Spotify or wherever you find your music. You are-